All right, good afternoon. Uh, glad to be back. You know, as of this Saturday, it'll be 1,063 days since Kansas football won a game against a Big 12 opponent. And if we exclude Colorado, who's no longer in the Big 12, it'll actually be 1,455 days. Yes, I have those numbers now. And our, our team will be at two, about 255 today. That'll be one of our main conversation pieces. And we're obviously getting ready to play a tough team, Texas Tech, that's sitting 4-0, ranked 20th in the country. Um, a team whose head coach I know very well. I like him. Uh, I like him very much as a person. I respect what he's done as a coach. I was able to coach him personally back in 2003 when we drafted him. Um, he was a sponge. He was playing behind that Brady guy, so obviously didn't get much action. So it gave him more of an opportunity to really study and learn the game. And you know, it doesn't surprise me at all that uh, that he's coaching, and it doesn't surprise me at all that that he's having very very good success. You know, sometimes when you go against different people, you get coach speak, but uh, I really like Cliff. <clears throat> and uh, I hope he has a lot of success, just not this Saturday. Um, actually, they're throwing the ball a little bit less than when he was in college. You know, they're throwing about 70% of the time. Uh, I remember interviewing him coming out where he told me that the entire year they never called a run. Not one run was called first. They checked to a run, but they never called a run. I was, I was fascinated by, by that, you know, by that statement. But there they're averaging 520 yards a game of offense and 39 points a game. And they play very, very high tempo, very up-tempo deal. He calls the plays. You know, he's, you know, he's the guy that, that makes this thing tick. Um, obviously, uh, the, quarterback's, the quarterback is the key person. He was a great quarterback himself when, when he was there. And uh, there's a lot of similarities in their style of play. Right now, you know, uh, Mayfield looks like he's going to be the guy. You know, we pr we very easily, you know, could see Webb as well. <coughs> it looks like Bro it looks like Brower uh, will be out another week. It looks that way, you know, but really not going to make too much of a difference the way he plays offense. Even though Brower has the has the most, you know, has the most. Oh, I'd say just. You know, I wouldn't say the most ability. He just has the most experience out of the, uh, out of the guys. You know, Mayfield's obviously a true freshman, about six two, about two twenty. You know, he's averaging two hundred eighty yards a game. He's throwing eight touchdowns and four interceptions. He's not afraid to run. He's got a strong arm. Whereas Webb's more of the six four, one ninety five guy. You know, a, a taller, taller, uh, di different body types, but. They all run his offense, you know, offense very well. You know, they play four different running backs. They don't run it as much as some other teams, but they play four different running backs. Where Williams is the lead dog. He's about 5'9", about 225. But they play multiple guys. Hey, their fourth guy, the guy who's got the least amount of reps, White, he's got nine carries for 105 yards, and he's averaged 11.7 per carry. So you got to be concerned with all of them. You know, at the wide receiver position, you know, Ward usually is their X, and, you know, they use a combination of um, either Grant or Foster as, as their smaller, quick, the small, quick guy, and Marquez on the, on the other outside. The really go-to guy out of all of them is actually Amaro. 
Now they list him as a tight end. I think he might line, line up as a tight end about three times a game. You know, he's flexed almost all the time. He's 6'5", he's 260. He's a big man, he plays inside. He's got 29 catchers for 370 yards already. He's got good hand, run good routes. He's a touch, tough matchup problem for anybody. You know, they have some very big men playing on the offensive line, especially on their left side, our right. You know, Clark, the left tackle, he's 6'5", 320. Morales, their left guard, he's 6'3", 320. I mean, so they got two 320-pounders there on their left side. You know, um, Castor, he's a little smaller at center, but at, uh, at right guard, they play both Polk and Carpenter. You know, uh, um, I'm not sure which one will start. Could probably see both of them in the game. Polk is the bigger one. He's 6'6", 335, and Fortenberry plays a great time. You know, Matt Wallerstadt um, took over the defense, and what they've done is they've played in a 34 configuration, similar to our configuration, but they play multiple fronts. They play, play odd, they play over, they play under, they play even, they play bear slash diamond as we call it right there. So they, they play multiple fronts and you, uh, they could do it within, within account. Okay, they could stem to it, they could align to it. So you really have to spend some time studying your fronts. Uh, one guy who makes it easier for him to go in and out of three-man fronts and four-man fronts is Robinson. He's listed as, well, their version of a buck but he's really the key guy because when they go to a four-man front, he, he's the guy who puts, you know, becomes their fourth down, down lineman. You know, their nose is either going to be Richard or Wesley. The, they play both of them. You know, Jackson and, and Hyder, you know, Hyder's you know, the big name there, but all those guys show up. You know, Jackson and Hyder uh, play the ends and Richard and Wesley uh, play, play inside. Uh, the linebackers start with Will Smith. He plays their weak side inside linebacker. Um, Aguavin is the other inside linebacker. He usually plays to the field, and uh, you know, opposite uh, opposite of Robinson, they'll play Bullet. He usually plays their nickel or, or their, their field linebacker. You know, Jones and um, Falimi um, handle the corners, and um, Porter and Gaines are their safeties. You know, uh, they list two guys: a punter, you know, Ursulaven and Bender punter. It looks like. Uh, uh, Samank um, has been handling the punt in the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, place kickers, Bustin and kickoff returners, Grant and Foster, Jacobson, they both are back there on, on punt returns. You know, and Slavin also, you know, cross trains, he's their holder, and Brenner is their snapper. <coughs> so, fire away. Talk a little more about the matchup problem. That Amaro presents. I mean, well, he's six five two sixty playing inside. So the question is, do you put, you know, do you put a linebacker on him? Do you put a safety on him? Do you, do you put a defensive back on? Him? You know, so that's you know, the, they're they're the, the questions you have. You know, do you go one on one with him? Well, uh, dependent. He you get somebody faster than him, but then he's got girth. Now you can put somebody with some girth, and now now he's faster than you. You know, so. Uh, you know, he's, he's kind of unique because he has very good ball skills. Usually at 260, you know, you're not doing really good ball skills, but he runs good routes and he has good ball skills. He has very good moves. Is it a situation where whatever you decide to do, you want to go with that, or would it be something that you could possibly show different looks and change throughout the course of the game? Um, I'm sure we could do the latter. I think you better start with the former. You better mm -hmm. have a plan going in because of the tempo. 
as we've talked about very, very many times this year, the tempo they play at, you don't have a lot of times to make, you know, during a series, you know, right. to make ma massive personnel <coughs> adjustments because, you know, I mean, Cliff, he'll get to the line of scrimmage and rattle them off in a hurry now. You know, he'll, sure. he'll crank them out in a hurry. So you have to have a pretty, pretty good plan. We've been talking about this now for the last week and a half, how to, you know, what's the best way to match up with him as long as with the other people. And, you know, at least on paper, I think we got a pretty good idea. Is, is Victor Simmons going to be involved in that plan? Kind of a bigger guy that used to cover, but put on some weight. Well, he obviously, that's the position he plays. You know, that's right where he is. That's that's his position. That's where he lines up. He lines up as the field linebacker, right? And, you know, any times there's trips, that's where the guy is. So he's already by alignment. Without, without me even having to, you know, go through any coach speak or anything, that's where he would line up just naturally. So... You'd like to think that with his physicality and his, his, you know, his girth himself, you know, we have a ch chance right off the bat with somebody who is, you know, shouldn't be grossly mismatched. You feel like this was the perfect week to have your bye week right before college playing right before this high-powered offense? I think that there's no perfect week for a bye week. You know, uh, coaches say, well, I like to have it right in the middle of the season to give him rest. You know, I just look at it like this. You, you look at the bye week and then you adjust accordingly. From my pers perspective, we just finished the non-conference uh, portion of our schedule. Had a bye week to get ready to go nine weeks in a row. So I think we're really excited to get into Big 12 action, kind of see how this how, how this all falls out, uh, plays out. And we obviously haven't, haven't played great as a team yet. We've played great in certain aspects of the team, but we have not played great as a team yet. And, we're hoping that uh, as the year goes on, we're going to get we're going to be a lot better at the end of the year than we are at the beginning of the year. Did you get much of a test in the non-conference for this tempo, or, or enough of one? Uh, you know, you spent the whole offseason kind of focused on this tempo, and it's here now. Do you feel like you got what you needed out of the non-conference somewhere? Well, we've practiced a lot doing it for the defense, snapping it really <clears> quick. <throat> so even if it wasn't a preseason game, uh, preseason game or their non-conference schedule in this case sure okay you know we've been snapping the ball in practice you know every we'll have a period today you know early in practice to get everyone going we'll, we'll go from we'll we'll snap them as quick as you could snap them and you know i think that if nothing else i think our own offense has given our defense an opportunity to you know have to have to plan a fly and play at a very fast pace what different factors do you think have gone into uh Justin McKay not being able to do what he did on the scout team last year and in the spring game. I don't, I don't, I don't look at it like that, Tom. I just look at it, it's who's playing the best. You know, I think that I think you owe it to owe it to the players out there, whether it's practice or games. You know, based off of what you see, play the guys you think that are playing the best. And if no one's playing, if no one's playing, if no one's playing great, you just pull whoever's playing the best. That's who plays. And Justin could be, he could be starting this week. You know, he, there's packages that we have this week he is starting. So, you know, there's some packages he's not starting. Justin's involved in some of the stuff, stuff some of the stuff we're doing as a starter and some of it as a backup. But I think that, I think that being on the field full time is something that has definitely has to be earned. And unless there's a lot of production, then you got to give other people an opportunity to see if they can earn it. Are you confident that he can do the case? Yeah, I have plenty of confidence in Justin. You know, I just think that he's a 
he's a different like right now he's listed behind and he's listed behind Rod, Rod Roderick, you know, Rodriguez Coleman. I'm getting, still getting used to this Rodriguez <laughs> thing. I'm, I called Rod for six months before he told me that wasn't his name, you know. So, uh, but um, it's a different body type. You know, one's you know, fast, you know, fluid, and the other one's physical and smash mouth. So you know, you, they're a little they're a little different in body taste. But I think that you know. Uh, Know, what that fast that fast presence on the outside is one of the things that you know we're missing without unless we put Tony out there. So one of the things we're really missing is just straight line speed. And I think that that's one thing that he brings to the table. How do you think um, Dylan Admire played against Louisiana Tech, and what's what's he done to kind of separate himself at that spot? Well, well, Dylan, the one thing against Louisiana Tech, which will be different than it was than last week, two weeks ago, than it is this week. As Louisiana Tech plays almost all even, so that means that there's no one on the center. You know, so it's a little different game when there's no one, you know, two inches away from you on every snap. Now, one of the main fronts that this team plays is, is odd, which means there's there's a guy right on your face on every snap. You know, so it'll be a little bit different test, and we'll we'll see how it goes. But you know, he wasn't nearly as challenged in that game because of how they aligned front wise that he will be this week. What does he do for your offensive line? I mean, why is he flown well, up the depth chart? He's more athletic. He's smaller than, than, than Pat, but he's more athletic. And, um, you know, the one thing, your, your big guys, you know, in the group Pat with a whole group of guys, if you're the bigger guys, and, and if you're not winning on a regular basis the line of scrimmage, then you better get an athletic guy who could win through athleticism and might not be able to win through physicality. I mean, that's an ongoing competition. That's not a closed deal. It's just that right now, you know, there's a couple of things that we're trying to do, and Dylan's going to get the first go at it. Hey, look, at, I could list it as, as four, but Dylan's going to start the game unless he gets hurt this week. So I'm just being honest with you and saying that's who's going to go out there first. You got Trent still first string too. Was that a? It goes back to Tom's question before. In some packages, yeah, Trent's out there, and other packages, Jamey's out there. So okay. you got to put one of them first. I mean, and certain things we're doing, Trent will be out there first, and other things we're doing, Jamey will be out there first. So they're both be. I could you list them as co-stars. It just depends right. on what you're doing, what you're doing personnel-wise. You must have been pleased though with what he did There's against LaTeX. Trent, sorry. You know, Trent's a more physical point of attack blocker. Okay. And Jamey's the more athletic, better pass catcher, although he, he will tell you that he has not shown you much evidence of that until <laughs> game three. The last, last few years, you guys have really struggled to, to get after the quarterback. It's, it seems like it's been better through three games. What do you, how do you assess that? What were the biggest reasons for that? Well, I sat down in the offseason, and as we sat down with the defensive staff, I said, we're going to play odd, and we're bringing heat. And that's what it came down to. I said, we're, not going, to get, we're going to be ready to go, and we're going to bring heat. You guys decide how you want to bring it, but I want to bring it, and I want to bring it off. I said, because I sat there last year just the way you did, and watched those quarterbacks stand back there and pick us apart, and I, I, I'd rather lose by 100. You know, felt like we were losing by a hundred or two of those games. As a matter of fact, but I'd rather I'd rather do it by getting after them and force them to make make a throw, and sometimes throwing it to us. 
and you'll notice our our blitz percentage is going up significantly. Is it, is it easier to bring that heat when you have Dexter and Jacory playing the way they are? Well, I mean, the corner play, the secondary play, not just a corner play, the secondary play has been against the pass has been pretty stout so far. But you know, the corner, the corner play in particular, when you know whether you're playing. Whether you're playing man or whether you're playing blitz zone three, where you're bringing them in playing zone, it still comes down to isolations on the outside. And both of them have done a, have done a nice job out there on, on, the, on the corner, you know, where they're isolated. Is that their biggest strength, <coughs> how they handle the isolation? Well, I think any corner, any, any corners one-on-one -on -one out there, on almost any, the only thing you can do is roll safety over the top. And, when you roll a safety over the top, now what you're saying is that you got no extra help and run for, so pick your poison. Getting ready to go into your second run with the Big 12 here. Uh, have you been able to identify what the most important factor or element is to, to be able to be competitive in this league? Yeah, we have to score way more points than what we've been scoring. And it's really that simple. I mean, you have to not turn. There's, there's always the standard things. Don't turn a ball over. Don't give them any short field. You know, improved kicking game has been one of the things that's been significantly in, uh, in our favor. I mean, we've changed. We've flipped, we've flipped field position several times this year. I can't remember everything <coughs> last year. You know, so special teams, that whole project that everyone second-guessed when we, we said how we we're going to do that, that's... That's turning out pretty well so far, but a lot of that has to do with the, kick, the specialists themselves. You know, that, be, that being said, you know, we're just not scoring enough points. And, you know, the defense has kind of held their own uh, well enough for us to have won all three games, and we haven't scored enough points offensively. Other than the obvious answer of carrying the ball into the end zone more times than you have, what are some ways you can, you can score some more points? I mean... What's well, slowing you down there? Well, there's there's a number there's a number of things. You know, we we haven't getting, been getting enough big plays. That's one thing. You know, some people you know, a lot of times you watch the games and see some short pass that goes to the house. You know, we haven't gotten a whole bunch of those. That's one. And then we have to get better on third down in the red zone. It's situational football. We have we have to do a better job. You know, statistically, third down and three to five. You know, we're fine. Third down and six or longer, we're crummy. Okay, so you got to do one of two things: get better at six or longer, or get it in the six or less, mm -hmm. when you're doing better. You know, we, that's one of the things you do in self scout. You know, after the you, when you have a week off, you can sit there and analyze what your strengths and weaknesses are. And I'm telling you, the third down six or less, we're actually pretty 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 good at converting third down six and one, but terrible. So you have to do one of those two things to keep drives going, because that's the way. Stay on the field gives you a better opportunity to score. What kind of growth have you seen James Sims on and off the field? On who? James Sims. Well, I mean, I'm a big fan of James Sims to start off with. So um, I think he's become a much more complete player. You know, over the last you know year and change, you know, he 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 impressed me last year with his you know his running style and his vision, his physicality. But I think he's become a lot more of a complete player and he's shown more leadership off the field too. And I think that, you know, from where we started to where we are right now, he's, he's come a long way, you know. You know I, I, I'd like to have him on my team. You do. Well, I mean, if I were, if I were coaching, coaching that next level, I'd like to have him on my team. Different year, different personnel, 
lots changed for both programs since last year, but you guys were incredibly successful with Tony and James at their place running the football. Is is that an advantage to know that and to take some of that confidence maybe from that into this game? Yeah, it was, that, that's true, but it was also a different style of offense. Right. You know, last year we were running, we were running the option and all that stuff, and Mike was the quarterback, now Jake's the quarterback. So, you know, Jake isn't exactly, you know, Mr. Mr. Option, Mr. Option quarterback. That isn't actually his forte. How hard is it for the secondary to come together when it's all new starters? How long has that adjustment taken? Are they at where you think they'd be? Well, I mean, I had said in, you know, back in when we first got going that I thought that our secondary was going to be a significant improvement. And everyone's, everyone thought that how could your secondary be a significant improvement when you basically lost everyone that was playing last year? And, you know, I think it's because the guys we brought in are good players. You know, and third, I, I, I firmly believe they'll be playing better at the end of the year than they're playing right now. You know, I think that they're going to get tested. They're going to get tested some, you know, tested some more now as we go forward. Um, they'll get tested on Saturday. I mean, Cliff's going to throw it, and he's going to throw it, and then he's going to throw it again. How many points do you think you have to score Saturday? Um, let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> we need to score one more than them. That's, uh, that's how many we have to score. So if they score, if they score 12, we have to score 13. <laughs> that, then and only then will I be content with another low-scoring game. Charlie, you mentioned the, uh, the Big 12 drought when you first came in here. 1,063 days. What You obviously looked that number up. What kind of goes into the thought process of, of letting your guys know that number and, as opposed to maybe just letting it, letting it be? Oh, no, you don't do – see, the thing is you don't do it as a, as a deterrent. You don't do it as a negative. You just say this is where we are. You know, this is – you know, we're going to beat somebody and you know, want to get this out of the way. You know, we talked about these, these steps that you have to take. You don't look at like you put all the pressure, like we have to win this week to get this over with. Okay, but, you know, you make them aware of what the issues are because as, you, as, you, as the program is building – Okay, there's these these stumbling blocks that you have these hurdles that you have to get over. This would be a this would be a good time to get over that hurdle. This this would be a good time. It's homecoming, eleven o'clock, everyone's gonna be fired up. We're all gonna be over down field holes Friday night. Hopefully they've stayed out all night and they're ready ready at eleven o'clock, ready uh, ready to go for ready to go for eleven o'clock kickoff. But I'm afraid if they go to sleep I might not catch them at eleven they might not they might not be up at eleven o'clock. Did you do the math yourself, or did you delegate that? Well, if the second number is actually easier, because you just go the number of years and add five days or something like that, that was that that, that was easier. Two thousand the two thousand and you know two thousand and nine win, but uh, but then when you start looking at the Colorado stuff and Iowa State stuff, you know Katie and I sit there and talk about some of the stuff going over numbers, and I said, oh God, you know, you know, you're you're aware of the stats. You're aware of the dates. You're not exactly as aware of the days. That's as of Saturday when I'm giving those numbers. It's not as of today. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm giving those numbers as of this Saturday. Oh, so, oh, don't worry. They're right. <laughs> okay, <laughs> they're right. You ended a long streak last week. 
that factor in? Uh, can that be only a good thing in terms of trying to end it up? There's two ways of looking at last week's game, okay? You know, first of all, I'll never apologize for beating anybody. I learned a long time ago that when you win, you got a 24-hour rule. You enjoy the game for 24 hours. Because what ends up happening is if you don't, you never have any fun. Because if you're going to be miserable, when I was younger, we win, I'd be miserable. Because all I think about are all the bad things that happened in the game. You wouldn't think about the good things. And then if, when you become a play caller, you'd be miserable with all the calls. Why did I call that? Why did I call this? And you'd be second-guessing everything. Do you think you do, you do it? Try being the guy who actually does it. Okay, but, you know, I, as I've gotten older, 24 hours, you get to enjoy the win. But now you get back to reflect on it, and then when you go back and study it the next morning, you sit there and say, oh, God, we're awful. You know, and you sit there one thing after another, you say, we can do, we can do better at this, we can do better at this. We obviously can't, dis, can't, get, can't do this. You know, we're not good enough to do that. Or that player's not capable of doing that by themselves. You know, you, you know usually it, it's pretty glaring when you sit there and watch the tape. You know, it's not as glaring when you watch it in person, but when you watch the tape, when you have the clicker and you go back over and over again, you know, there's there's things that really smack you in the face. And, you know, some things you can rectify. Look, at, I really believe in one basic principle, and that is you play to your strengths and you try to, min to, try to hide your weaknesses. And, you know, I think that, you know, that's, that's what we have to do going forward. Because we have weaknesses that we have to try to hide as best we can, try to mask them as best we can. I think it's during Thursday's kicker, so you've made that transformation. Well, it's kind of funny because, you know, I stopped by the Chiefs game for a few minutes on Saturday. The first question Colquitt asked me was about, tell me about your punter. <laughs> you know, because he's worried about losing his job to the, the, the two years from now from this kid right here. I said, did he really kick a 78-yarder? I said, yeah, the next one was only 65. You know, it, you know, it, gets, their, it gets their attention. But, I mean, you know, I, one of the things I said to a couple people is, you know, you go on this tour, Kevin, you know, where you go to all these different uh, Jayhawk clubs, and they, everyone wants to ask you, well, what are you going to do about the special teams? You know, like, like I was doing cartwheels over our special teams play last year. And I said, well, the first thing we're going to do is change the kicker. And everyone looks at you like that's a, that's a bad answer, but that really that's that's what's been the difference. It's really been the difference, both on kickoffs and uh, when you kick off. Well, now when we're kicking the ball off, are you holding your breath anymore? I mean, not that you'd be holding your breath anyway. Maybe I was holding my breath, but uh, if it's not a touchback, it's going to be a sky high on the goal line where you have a chance to tackle them inside the twenty. And on a punt, you know, now you're. You're very surprised now if he's not if he's not flipping the field. You know, when we punt the ball, you're expecting him to flip the field. And I think that, you know, those two things have been significant. And let's not look downplay, you know, what Wyman's done. You know, because he came out and missed a twenty eight yarder, you know, early in the game. You know, a lot of guys that redshirt freshman, walk on player, could have very easily gone in the tank. Now they had Rosen gets a fifty two yarder. As I listened to Bob's call, we said, well, we're about ready to go into overtime here. As Juan is lining up to go kick this field goal. <laughs> oh, hold it. He messed me up. He made it. He messed us up. Well, how big was, can you notice flipping the field last week? That, can you notice how much it inspired me with the defense to go 
you go out there, I mean, it's got to be it, huge. It, it does. It, you know, and a couple times during the year we didn't take advantage of it because there were a couple times we had them pinned back in, in that second game where we had them pinned back inside the 10-yard line and they came, they came in foot field position back on us. But I'm telling you, you, as a defense, you come out, you got to get some gas in your tank. Any time the ball's inside of the 20, you know, you're feeling pretty good about your chances. You've said before that you like the idea of calling games from upstairs, less distractions, that kind of thing. Is that particularly harder to do from the field when you have a group of offensive players, you know, Jake starting for the first time in a couple of years, receivers that are unproven? I mean, does that, does that make that job even harder? Well, that's when you need to be on the field. Okay. But see, that's that's totally the opposite. The time when you're on, when it's easier to call a game upstairs in a situation like that, is when you have a more veteran team. Okay. You know, because now you're just relaying information to them. Okay. When you know when things have when there's a lot of things when there's a lot of moving parts, that's that's where you're better off being on the field. Hey, look at. I was up in the box for most of, for a good portion of my career, and Bledsoe got hurt, and Tommy had to go in, and, and he wasn't re really ready to go yet. And I went down there, and uh, at the end of the year, we ended up winning it all, and Belichick said, you're staying on the field. I mean, that was the end of that. We're very superstitious people. The last thing we were doing was changing at that point. So there's different pros of being on the field now, but one of them is when you have a bunch of guys going in and out right there, you get a better feel for you know, what you can do and what you can't do. As a play caller, what do you think overall of the up-tempo offense and, and that trend? Does there come a time when you maybe become too fast for your own good as an offense? Um, well, right now it's in mode. You know, it's, you know, I think that, you know, what you'll find as, as you go forward, don't be, don't be, Football's always evolving, you know, football's always evolving. So right now that's a trend that a lot of teams that are high-powered teams are doing. And, you know, you know, a few years from now probably they won't be doing it. You know, I don't, you know, it just, that's the way it goes. I mean, a bunch of guys here had asked me last year what I thought about, you know, the NFL with these, uh, these quarterbacks running the option. I said, you won't see it very long. And everyone, you know, oh, yes, you will. Now you see all those guys are getting the crap kicked out of them. And, they're, all, they're, they're not doing it anymore because all those defensive coaches spent the whole offseason figuring out what they're going to do against the option in the NFL, and those guys are making $10 million a year. Guess what? The last thing you want to do is be losing those quarterbacks. Now, with tempo, okay, there's ways you could slow down tempo, okay? Kick the ball, you know. I mean, you can do a lot of things now. I mean, you have your lineman when the ball's laying around, just, you know, knock it out of the way. Now the referees have to go reset it again. There's plenty of things you can do. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's nuances of the game. I mean, if you think there are things you can do, there's plenty of things you can do. You know, there's been, you sit there and watch games, half the time somebody gets hurt, people are questioning whether they're hurt or they're taking a dive. You know, I've known teams that have actually, uh, I haven't been on one, but I've known teams that actually have to take a dive. That's a call. You know, it's a call. Take a dive. You know, so you'll see all of a sudden you'll see a line coach going something like this. You know, <laughs> and after a game, all of a sudden somebody's rolling around holding their holding their knee, holding, and then you see him jogging off about 60 seconds later. I mean, you know, it's it's just the way football goes. But right now it's in vogue, and 
There's some teams that are doing it and doing it, doing it very well. Coach, against Louisiana Tech, you went five wide into backfield. Haven't seen that much from you. What's it been like last year, this year? You've done a lot of different things. Have you ever had to do that that often? Well, I mean, there's the give and take with that. You know, I've gone empty before, you know, plenty of times in my career. Uh, it's just that I just felt that the way the game was going, we weren't really, uh, the way that game was going, we weren't going to go on some 12-play drive just run the ball down and throw the way that game was going. You know, they were controlling the interior, the interior portion of the line. They were controlled. And I just didn't feel that, you know, that was really tailor-made to what we were trying to do. So, you know, instead of trying to beat our head against the wall, we went to a different mentality to, to change the pace. And fortunately, we did. You know, we made just enough plays where we were able to get out of that game with a squeaker. Does, does your second year here, I mean, I know this has nothing to do with the football, X's and O's and all that, but homecoming, you know, that, that's obviously historically something special everywhere. Does being your second year here, does that mean any more to you? And, and, and can you kind of embrace that a little more? We all know what you feel about this place and the fans and all that. Well, I'm a little different than most college coaches. I'm pretty passionate towards the, student, the football team being part of the student body. I, I feel very strongly about that. You know, so I think that, you know, there, I'd like nothing more than a homecoming when a bunch of people were there for us to have a really good day and for us to be over in front of the student body and the game having knocked this, gotten this, this streak out of the way and be singing after, after a victory. That would mean an awful lot. But I think that, you know, a lot of people come back for the game and it's, it's usually a special moment. And to be honest with you, I'm tired of being homecoming teams for everybody else. And the only way they, they stop scouting on you is the homecoming coming game is when you start beating some teams. So, I mean, you can, you can talk about it all you want, but until you do it, it doesn't mean anything. Coach, this Tech team is 4-0, obviously, and Baylor as well. Those are a couple of teams that were picked preseason to be on the back end of the Big 12 Conference. And, of course, West Virginia. Baylor? Well, uh, I don't know if anyone put Baylor on it back end. Well, either way, is this conference now a little bit more wide open, perhaps, than you thought it was? Uh, I've had an opportunity to watch everyone play. And, you know, let's, let me start with the fact that I still think that we deserve to be perceived on the, on the lower echelon based on the performance after the games. That's where we deserve to be at this point right now. I also believe that at the end of the year, we're going to be playing our best football. You know, and I think that that's, that's what our intent is, to get better every single week. Now, that might sound like a coaching phrase. Now, let's translate that into our opponents. I mean, you look at a team that was supposed to be a power like Okie State. I mean, they got looked pretty good this past week now. I mean, that score started to 21, but West Virginia really took it to them. That was, a, that was a lucky win. I watched every second out of the game. That wasn't just West Virginia winning at home. They, you know, they, West Virginia clearly won that game. Oklahoma State didn't lose it. I mean, there's a big difference. I mean, TCU, everyone was going into the year saying, TCU, they're the team to beat. I watched that Texas Tech-TCU game on TV. I watched it I watched it again, too. I mean, I mean, Texas Tech did not win that game by luck now. You know, Texas Tech, you know, they had a couple of punt, return, punt returns called back or a punt return called back. But other than that, you know, you know Texas Tech, you know, deserved to win that game. You know, so you look at each, each week, you look at, 
you know, different performances. You know, Oklahoma played really good against Notre Dame. They didn't play very well against West Virginia. You know, each team is a little different. The team is a little frightening right now. Okay, you look at Texas Tech's 4 0. They're averaging 39 points a game. That's scary. Baylor's frightening. I mean, I mean, they scored 39 in the first quarter. I mean, you, you know, you don't even have time to go get a soda. And, you know, it's, they've scored five touchdowns already. You know, so Texas Tech's scary. And I think Baylor, the way they're playing on offense right now, we'll go back to that question up top about the, how the pace of the offense. I mean, no one snaps it faster than, than Baylor and Texas Tech. These two teams, they're flying out of the gate. And if you don't, if you don't do something on the other side of the ball, you could be in for a long, long day. You mentioned the desire to improve as the season goes on. Is that an underrated quality in college football? It seems like a lot of times a team gets a couple of losses and people are quick to write them off. But schedule's fairly short, you know that. I think maybe with the teams that, you know, have aspirations going in the game to win 10 games or win the conference, you know, I think that right now our team, our team's goal is to try to win every time we go out there and try to get better every week, you know, and realize that, uh, realize that we have a lot of things, if we play our best game, okay, we play our best game against everyone, then we should have a chance, you know, we should have a chance, okay, but uh, I don't think that where we are in our and in our and the evolving, you know, of our evolving program that we have right now, and where we are with the steps of the program, I think the most important thing is, I think these guys should be playing just as hard at the end of the year as they were playing at the beginning of the year. And I didn't necessarily feel that way walking off the field against West Virginia. Okay, so that's one of the reasons why we had this mass, this mass change of you know all these junior college kids come in and put them out there and get them playing because I felt that we had to change the people. To that point, how much better do you feel going into Big 12 play this year than you did this time a year ago? I think that our players are, our, our players are expecting to win this week. They're not hoping to win. Now, they might be an eight-touchdown underdog. I couldn't tell you. I don't follow that stuff, but I know one thing. You know, we haven't played a game this year where our team expected to lose or hope to win. Okay, they've, they've gone to every game expecting to win. And I think that that's part of the psychology involved with, with, become, with starting to win. You have to expect to win, not hope to win. They're two totally different mentalities. Okay, this will be an interesting week because, you know, I, I am a big fan of Cliff. I hope he has a really miserable week this week. Uh, you can pass that on to him. But uh, I will tell him myself before and after the game. <laughs>